Hello and welcome to the Clockwork Around Your podcast, the podcast all about the Dutch national team. I'm your host, Finley Kroboda, the founder of Clockwork Around Your, and today we are going to be previewing the 2022 World Cup because the Dutch national team is playing in it, which is lovely to say. First time in eight years. Yeah, it doesn't feel that long, but hey, time flies. Um, so it's just me today. Uh, no Peter McVitie, I'm afraid. Um, and because of that, I thought that I would um, try and make up for that by getting you guys involved, getting the listeners involved. Um, so I put a tweet out asking for any questions that you'd like answered regarding the upcoming World Cup and how we're going to do it. And um, yeah, thanks so much to everyone for sending in those questions. They've actually worked out really well in the sense that I can kind of just give a, a a normal tournament preview by answering them because they kind of the questions regard each position in the squad the squad selection um predictions who's going to play how well we're going to do etc etc which is obviously what a preview entails so yeah it's worked out pretty well in the sense that um yeah I've got eight or nine questions really that kind of cover all the bases I wrote them all down and forgot to take the usernames so apologies for that but I'm sure you will know if it's your question. Um, so yeah, let's just get straight into it. So yeah, first question I'm going to take her about the the squad selection uh, and about the lineup. And I'll, I'll start at the back and move forward from there. So the first question is who should be the goalkeeper? <sighs> I have absolutely no idea. Uh, no, that's not the answer you people are tuning in for. Well, um, I think the goalkeeper should be Justin Bilo. I think. I think there's really not much to choose between all three of them, to be honest, between Justin Bilo, Remco Pasfier and uh, Andrews Noppert. Um, they've all been performing, well, Noppert's been performing the best in the Eredivisie. However, there is, you know, the fact that Bilo and Pasfier have experienced at a much higher level Um Noppet's obviously the strongest club he's ever played for is Hirovane and he's never played for the national team before. So I think it would be pretty crazy to kind of give him his debut uh, in in the World Cup and just go straight into it, go from him never having played for the national team straight into starting for us at the World Cup. Uh, if any manager would do it, it would be Louis van Gaal. He's definitely not afraid of taking those risks. But um, I don't know, I've always been a fan of Bailo. I know he hasn't been great in the last... In the last year or so, what, 2022 as a whole, he's had some some dodgy patches, but he's looked a lot better again recently. And I think at his best, he's I mean, he's definitely got the highest ceiling of the three goalkeepers. And I do think at in form, he's the best of the three. He's got the most caps of the three. I mean, six, which isn't a lot, but, you know, every little helps, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, if I was picking, I'd pick Bilo. But to be honest, I don't think there's a huge difference between the three of them. I don't think any of them would be a disaster. I don't think, you know, I, I don't think how well we do in the tournament is going to be determined by which of the three we play because I think they are fairly even and I wouldn't really be that bothered with any of them playing. Um, it's whatever Van Gaal's seen in training, what he thinks is best. So yeah, I, I, I if I could pick, I would pick Bilo. But to be honest, I'm not too bothered. I, you know, like I said, I don't think there's a big difference between the three, really. Um, so sticking around on goalkeepers, I've got other other positions asked in this question as well. But um, so it's why was why was Sealison and Danjuma dropped? How can Daly Blind be given a starting position when he's had a terrible season at Ajax? 
His recent form with Orania has not been good either. Okay, so starting with Jasper Sielsen, why he was dropped. Um, well, I think he was dropped because Louis van Gaal decided he wasn't going to start him and he didn't think that he'd be a good member of the squad as a second or third choice goalkeeper. Um, he's not the first manager to have made that decision. Uh, Frank de Boer dropped Sielsen from the squads for the Euros last year um, after deciding he wanted to start Stecklenburg. He used Sielsen getting COVID as an excuse, but Sielsen had fully recovered at that point. It was pretty clear that he that De Boer dropped him because he wanted to start Stecklenburg. Um, and De Boer's said as much since, really. So, yeah, I think that's why he dropped him. He didn't think Sielsen would be a good second or third choice goalkeeper in terms of attitude. The more complicated question is why he decided Sielsen wouldn't be the first choice goalkeeper, I think. Because I kind of, up until the squad was announced, expected him to be. He's generally been, maybe apart from Noppet, the the best performer at club level this season. Um, he had two bad matches recently that that ultimately sealed his fate. That was why Van Gaal and um, the rest of the staff chose not to take him to Qatar. But it did surprise me, to be honest. You know, he's he's the only one of the options with major tournament experience. He has had a good season. Um, and he's just, I don't know, generally a safe pair of hands, I think. But, you know, like I just said, I don't think there's that much of a difference between the three goalkeepers in the squad. I also don't think there's much of a difference between those three and Sealison. Um So if the t- maybe the tiebreak was kind of attitude, mentality. And in that sense, I suppose that's why Sealison lost his place in the squad um why was Dan Juma dropped again I think it's form uh he hasn't been playing much this season obviously he's had a long-term injury that he's only just coming back from and he hasn't been great since coming back from that injury although he's been playing as a lone striker which I don't think suits him at all he's best on the left wing or you know playing um on the left in the front too where he can kind of drift out wide so I think that's why also the fact that he wasn't able to be part of the last few Netherlands squads and train with them and get to know Van Gaal's system. Um, I think that's also a big reason why he wasn't in it. You know, he hasn't he hasn't gotten to know this system. Um, so, yeah, I think that's why form and um, his lack of familiarity with our tactics. Um, I don't agree with it. If I could make one change to our squad, it would be bringing Dan Juma in for, uh, I don't know, Luke de Jong or Wout Weghorst or Vincent Janssen, any of those three. Um, probably Weghorst if I had to choose one. Uh, because, you know, I think if we want to switch to a 4-3-3, Dan Juma's a great option. You know, when he's played on the left for us, when we've played a 4-3-3, he's been so good. So, yeah, I I don't agree with the decision, but I think there are pretty clear reasons for it. Um, right now the fun one how can Daly Blind be given a starting position when he's had a terrible season at Ajax his recent form with Oranya has not been good either right so uh, this might be a long answer um, Daly Blind is not a good defender that's a fact these days I think uh, he's also not a good athlete he's slow He's not particularly strong. He can be outmassed pretty easily. He can be beaten in the air very easily. Um, yeah, physically, he's well 
past his peak and at his peak he wasn't great physically anyway um so yeah defensively not good i'm not questioning that at all however i think passing wise he's the best in our squad um he's intelligent and yeah with the ball at his feet he's he can pick out a pass better than anyone else in the that we have at our disposal and i don't i don't think that's an opinion either that's a fact if you look at statistics and data it's a fact you know um to win matches you have to get the ball from front to back uh sorry from back to front um and you need players who can do that without just punting it long because we're going to be playing Memphis Dubai and Steven Bergvine up front punting it long would not go well for us um and Daly Blind is the player in our squad that does that apart from Frankie De Jong also has it in his locker but Daly Blind is the main man in our squad that can get the ball at his feet and can make those those progressive passes through the lines through the opposition front line through the opposition midfield to our midfield and our attack um i'm not talking about big crazy lofted balls um you know like the one he did for van persie in 2014 although you know he's obviously got that in his locker i'm talking about the the smaller passes on the ground in tight spaces you know kind of um through the eye of the needle you know and He's so good at that and it's so important to us. You know, it, like I said, it gets us from back to front and it's also the main supply line for our most dangerous player, Memphis Depay. Um, if you look at any of our pass maps when Memphis is playing, pretty much all the time that he receives the ball, not all the time, but the majority of the time that he receives the ball, it's from Daily Blind. Um, and I don't think you can take that supply line out of the team because... There's no one else that can that can do that in Blind's position, to be honest. Malastia doesn't have the vision in the passing to get the ball where where we need it to go. Um, Blind's the only person in our squad that can do that. If we were playing a back four, then I would say that Daily Blind should not start just because he's not good enough defensively and it's too big a risk. You know, if we were playing a four-three-three and he was at left back, I'd say no, he should be dropped from Malastia. But we're not playing a back four. We're playing a back three with wing backs. Um, and effectively, Daly Blind's a wide playmaker in this system. He's got less to do defensively because there is that extra centre-back. Maybe we're still a bit exposed on the right, on the on our left, on the opposition right. But at the end of the day, I think it's a no-brainer. I think if we take him out, then we lose so much in possession. Um, and I think what we gain in possession having him in the team outweighs what we lose out of possession having him in the team and I don't think it's particularly close at this point either um ultimately Louis van Gaal thinks he's very important to the team and Louis van Gaal knows his team and knows football much better than me or any of us so there you go if van Gaal doesn't think he should be dropped then he shouldn't be dropped um and no I don't I, I, obviously, I don't buy this this argument that oh, Blind is only there because his dad's the assistant manager. Um, I think that's that's pretty disrespectful to Van Hart. You know, he he doesn't he hasn't had the career he's had and achieved so much and become one of the best managers ever just by by listening to people without thinking for himself by doing what his assistants tell him without thinking for himself. Um, so no, that's not the reason. The reason is because Daily Blind is excellent with the ball at his feet and too good to be dropped i do think if we're protecting a lead 
with half an hour left or something, then yes. Get Blind off ASAP, get Malasia on. Um, because, like I said, Blind is very vulnerable defensively. But in this system, playing as a wing-back, as a wide playmaker, I think he, yeah, he deserves to stay in. Um, so, yes, that is my thoughts on Sealison, Danjuma and Daily Blind. Okay, next up. Do you expect De Ligt to play a big role? I could see him starting by the end of the tournament. Timber's form has me concerned. Yeah, that's a big question. Um, generally, the, the the back three has been the most settled part of our side recently. Uh, Virgil van Dijk in the middle, Nathan Ake on the left, Yuri and Timber on the right. Obviously, there's no concerns about Ake or van Dijk. Ake's been good all season, van Dijk. Hasn't been great for Liverpool, but he's been awesome, as good as ever for us. And he's obviously going to play. Yeah, the question mark comes on the right, right? Because Timber has struggled for Ajax and De Ligt has been very, very good for Bayern Munich. Uh, ultimately, though, I'm pretty certain that it's not going to change. Um, I think in this system... The, the wide centre-backs need to be players that can effectively play full-back because often they end up there in possession, um, especially especially the right centre-back because Denzel Dumfries bombs forward and the right centre-back moves over to effectively be a right-back in a back four a lot of the time. Um, I don't like the idea of De Ligt doing that. I don't think he's got the mobility or the composure on the ball uh, to do that, to be honest. Um and am I worried about Timber? Not really. I mean, yeah, he's been dodgy for Ajax, but everybody's been dodgy for Ajax. It's been a dodgy season for Ajax. They simply have not been good. And I think in the in the system that they've been playing, it's incredibly difficult for Timber to look good. He's been left so exposed. He's been forced to move out of position so many times. Um, he has made mistakes, yeah. But ultimately, what's more relevant, right? The form for club or the form for country heading into a tournament where the player is going to be playing for their country? Obviously, the form for the Netherlands. And his form for the Netherlands in this in this uh, 3-4-1-T system has been really good. You know, there's no reasons to be worried about how he plays in this system. Um, so, yeah, I don't think he's any worse a player than he was six months ago a year ago when everyone was going crazy about him I think that it's just Ajax making him look bad and I think yeah for the Netherlands he will remain in the starting 11 and I don't really have any concerns about him or any of the other um back three you know and I mean it's a bloody great position isn't it that if Ake Timbro or uh, Van Dijk gets injured or gets suspended or is struggling you can bring in De Ligt or De Vrij. Of all the teams at the World Cup, we have the best def- depth in that position. So hey, if Timber struggles in the in the first game against Senegal, then sure we can bring De Ligt in, try it out. I think, to be honest, we can afford to experiment a bit in the group stages as well. No disrespect to the opposition, um, but yeah, in terms of the starting lineup for the Senegal match, Timber's definitely going to be there. I think uh, alongside Van Dijk and Ake. Okay, so that is the goalkeeper situation discussed, the defence discussed. Moving on to a question in which I'll 
chat about the midfield. Aside from Gakpo, who seems to be coming into the spotlight? Who else do you think will have a standout tournament from the Dutch squad that isn't being talked about? Right, well, <clears throat> that rules out the guy I would say, Chavi Siemens. Um, I've got a question on him coming up next, and I'll chat about him there. But yes, Chavi Siemens is very much being talked about, probably more than any other Dutch player at the moment, maybe aside from Gakpo. Um, but like I said, I'll talk about him in a second. So who's coming into the spotlight? Who do you think will ever stand that tournament from the Dutch squad that isn't being talked about? Um, I would say Steven Berghaus, which is probably an answer not many of you were expecting there. Um, Berghaus has always been a player that's divided opinion. I mean, that's my experience, at least running clockwork around you. Whenever I tweet about him, I get people replying you know, being really um, positive about him and people reply and being really critical of him. Um, some people think he's great. Some people don't rate him at all. Uh, I'm in the f- in the former camp. I've always rated him pretty highly. Um, and I think he's proving me right this season at Ajax. I think he's been one of the few bright sparks, pretty comfortably their best player, um, especially when he's played a bit deeper in the in midfield rather than out wider as a number 10. Uh, yeah, I'd say he's probably been maybe the, th- I don't know, third best player in the Eredivisie after after Gakpo and Siemens. Um, so, yeah, I think he's going to, I don't, I think, he, I'm not sure if he'll start against Senegal. I'm pretty confident he'll start against Qatar and Ecuador, you know, two teams that will sit back. Because, um, I mean, it's either him or, Frank, or um, Toon Koopminers that starts along Frankie de Jong in midfield, right? Uh, and I think the it will depend on the opposition. I think against stronger teams, Coop Miners plays. Against weaker teams that sit back, Berghaus plays just because he's more capable of unlocking the defence. Uh, and I think when he does play, I'm, I think he is going to have a really good tournament. Um, I think, you know, I mean, if you look at the match against Poland in the last break when we won 2-0, he was awesome. You know, the passes he was putting in, the crosses he was putting in, he was really dangerous. Um, I think his technique, his left foot is just so good. When he gets it in that kind of half space on between the right wing and the middle, where he can send a cross into the back post or, you know, um, take a shot, curve it towards the far corner. I think he's so dangerous and really effective. Um, and yeah, he's definitely not being spoken about much. I think generally people outside of the Netherlands don't really know who he is. Um, he's not young so people aren't getting excited about his future or anything but I do think he'll start against Ecuador and Qatar maybe against Senegal I'm not sure Um, and I think when he plays he will be really good Um, so yeah that's who I'm going for for the you know uh, who will have a standout tournament of those that aren't really being spoken about I'm excited to see what he can do um, and I hope he continues to prove me right because he is a good player Next up, what's your prediction for Xavi? How many games slash minutes does he get? I know it's hard to predict given we don't know how many games we'll play, but how big of a role do you expect? Um, I Maybe I'm being a bit optimistic here, but I think he's going to play a... Not, I wouldn't say a significant role, but I think he's definitely going to play... He's not just going to be coming off 
the bench for the last three minutes of a match and that's it I don't think I think you know for, for Van Gaal to take a player to the World Cup that he's never worked with before and that's never played for the national team before there has to be a reason for that right I don't think he'd take Travis Siemens if he was just taking someone to to make up the numbers you know he'd take someone more experienced who can kind of maybe have an influence off the pitch in the dressing room etc he's taken Chavi Siemens because he thinks that Chavi Siemens can make a difference on the pitch is is what I believe uh I don't think he'll he'll, he'll start immediately uh but I I think he's good enough to to earn a starting spot by the end of the group stages like I said I think we've got a bit of freedom I don't think we should experiment with our starting 11 in the group stages but you know if we're tuning up after 60 minutes I think we'll bring some players on um Van Gaal will bring some players on to get a look at them he's obviously not a manager who's ever been particularly cautious about giving youth a chance so yeah I think Xavi Siemens would get maybe I don't know total half an hour in the group stages across the three matches uh, and I think he's good enough to make an impact in that time and to to get his to work his way into Van Gaal's thoughts when Van Gaal's deciding his starting lineup going forward. Um, in terms of where that would be, I think it would be as the right forward um, as an alternative to Steven Bergvijn, because obviously Gakpo's not going to be dropped as a number 10, I don't think. Memphis Depay's, once he's fit, is is going nowhere. That goes without saying. Uh, Bergvijn, obviously he's been really good for, for the Netherlands generally in recent matches, has had a, a mixed start to the season for Ajax, but like I said about Timber, it's, it applies to most people at Ajax. I think it's more Ajax and Alfred Schroeder than the players themselves to blame for that. So I do think Bergvijn will start, but I can definitely see Xavi Siemens coming on for Bergvijn with 15-20 minutes left of a match um, to kind of, you know, Take, take advantage of a, of a tiring defence, take advantage of a, a, a team pushing higher up and leaving more space in behind. Um, that's the role I see for him in the team. He could obviously come on as a number 10 as well. Um, but yeah, the role I see for him as an, is as an alternative to Steven Bergvine when we're not just you know desperate for a goal, pumping long balls into the box, because then obviously De Jong or Weghorst would come on for Bergvine instead. So yeah, long story short, I can see Siemens getting half an hour total in the group stages, and I think it's good enough to to make a real impact and a real impression in that time. I'd be surprised if we didn't see him come off the bench in the first match against against Senegal. I think if we're in a strong position, then it's a bit of a no-brainer for Van Gaal to, to give him his debut, to give him his first taste of international football, which would um, stand him in good stead going forward. So... Yeah, that's what I think about Xavi Siemens, and I am incredibly excited to watch Xavi Siemens at the World Cups. I I can't remember the last time I was so excited about a talent for the Netherlands. Um, you know, it's Gakpo is a massive talent, but I think his ceiling is probably somewhere around Memphis Depay's level. Xavi Siemens, I think his ceiling is Iron Robin level. I think he's a huge talent I mean he's 19 years old he's played about 10 matches of senior football in his career okay maybe about 20 now and he's forced his way into a Netherlands squad for the World Cup having never played for them before I mean that says it all if if and thing is Louis van Gaal is actually a pretty good judge of talent I mean he spotted 
Chavi Iniesta, Schweinsteiger, Cruz, Müller. So if he thinks this guy's good, then I think this guy's going to be good. So yeah, it's so exciting to be going into a World Cup with him in the squad, and I genuinely think that he's gonna he's gonna do something at the World Cup. So yeah, that's what I think about Chavi Siemens. Moving on to the attack, we have a question: Why on earth is Janssen in this squad? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Asked that. Asked myself that question a few times. Um, so serious answer. I think that Van Gaal went into this tournament knowing he needed an alternative to Memphis because Memphis was coming into it not fully fit. Um, and Janssen was maybe the closest thing to that, um, which sounds crazy, I know, but the thing is with Memphis, one of the most important things he does for us is receive the ball with his back to go, hold up play, bring others into play. Um, and... Of the available options, Janssen was was is maybe the best alternative in that area in hold up play in bringing others into the game. Um, he's strong at that. He's you know physically very good at holding people off the ball. He's basically ambidextrous. He's his right foot and left foot equally strong, which opens up a lot of avenues when he receives the ball with his back to go. So yeah, that's why I think he's in there too to be the guy who holds up the ball, brings other players into play when Memphis isn't there. Um, I think Brian Broby could have done that just as well. And I think Brian Broby's obviously a much more exciting player. Younger, got a much higher ceiling, has done well when actually given a chance for Ajax this season. And he he's so good playing with his back to go. So, yeah, I think it should have been Brian Broby as the alternative alternative for Memphis in that area. But it's Janssen, and I think it makes sense that he comes in for Memphis for the Senegal match because I think he's the only player in the squad that offers offers what Memphis offers in that sense. It would be fun to see Chavi Siemens or Noah Lang come in, for instance, but you know, I I think we're gonna struggle to I think we'd struggle without a player that could hold defenders off, keep the ball, hold up play. Uh, and set others up for chances um so yeah I think Brian Brady should be in the squad ahead of Vincent Janssen but with the squad we have I think Vincent Janssen's the most logical replacement for Memphis Depay um I mean hopefully Memphis Depay gets fully fit for the Senegal match um surprises Van Gaal and if that's the case then Vincent Janssen is not starting a match at the tournament. I don't think he. I think he's a good option to come off the bench if we're leading. Just to, uh, he's. I suppose he's a happy medium in a sense between Memphis and Bergvine and Lang, and at the other end of the spectrum, Luke De Jong and Verkost. You know, you've got Luke De Jong and Verkost who are huge, um, excellent in the air, but have very little technical ability. Not to be rude. Uh, and then at the other end of the spectrum, you've got, you know, Memphis, Bergvine, Lang, Chavi, who are all about technical ability, but you physically don't really have much going for them. So I suppose Janssen's a happy medium in that sense. So I think if we are leading in a game, then he comes on to hold up the ball a bit. Um, he, you know, he works hard, he pressed the defense a bit, but you know, I think if we're looking for a goal, it's it's not going to be him that's brought on. It's going to be De Jong and or Weghorst. I pray to God we're not in a situation at the World Cup where 
the the situation is so dire that we need to bring on Luke De Jong and Wout Verkost, uh to just chuck everyone in the box and go for a goal. Um, but it would be it would be quite funny to see, you know, if if that happens and we get a goal from it, then I think it will be one of my favourite things to have ever happened in Dutch football. But the the, the the thought of being in a situation where we so desperately need that goal that we bring on those two is quite a scary one. So I'd rather not see it, but there is a part of me that is very much, you know, intrigued and curious about that. So yeah, Janssen, long story short, he's in the squad as a backup for Memphis because of his hold-up play. Should have been Broby, but it's not. What can you do? Okay, so predictions time. Okay, you can't have a preview without predictions. Okay, so the first one I'll answer is, if not World Cup champion, what would be an okay performance for Odanya? Um, I mean, obviously, it all depends on the draw, doesn't it? But I think that, you know, if we get to the quarterfinals and we're knocked out by someone like uh, Belgium or England or Denmark then that's not a good World Cup that's a really disappointing performance to be honest if we get to the quarterfinals and we're knocked out by Argentina uh, and that's who we're most likely to face in the quarters if everything goes as expected I don't think that's a, a disappointment I don't think I mean obviously we'll be disappointed but I don't think that's a bad a bad tournament, a bad performance, you know, I think, basically, I think that if we go out to Brazil or Argentina, then we can be not happy with that, but that's a respectable performance, that's an okay performance. If we go out to any of the other European nations before the final, then I'd be pretty disappointed with that, because I don't think there's any European nations that are stronger than us. Really, I think Spain and Germany are pretty even. Um, Denmark are a threat. I think I don't rate France at all just because of their their form and their injury problems. Uh, England, their form. Belgium are just rubbish, to be honest. Sorry if any Belgians are listening. I mean, we beat you when we had Vincent Janssen playing from the start with a double pivot of Martin Derone and Davy Klaas in the midfield. So... If we go out to Belgium, that's a complete disaster. So, yeah, I think if we go out to Brazil or Argentina in the quarters or semis, then that's an okay performance. That's nothing to be ashamed of. But if we went out to anyone else before before the final, then that would be a real disappointment because I think if we perform to the best of our abilities, then we can beat anyone aside from Argentina and Brazil. Which brings us nicely on to... The final question. What are your expectations? Do you think we can win the World Cup? How would you describe, in in a percentage, our chances? Right. So, I think we can absolutely win this World Cup. I think Argentina and Brazil are the only teams that we're not better than. Um, I think Brazil are probably a little better than us. I think Argentina we're really even with obviously it's always difficult to tell because you don't see national teams don't play that much so it's hard to tell how good they are but going on the squads they have and the performances they've produced in the last year or so I think Argentina and Brazil are the two teams that are as good if not better than us 
I think, except from that, we are better than every other nation if we perform to the best of our abilities. I don't think there's a European nation we need to fear. So, yeah, so what are my expectations? The draw would have us meeting Argentina in the quarterfinals and Brazil in the semifinals, which is a pretty shitty draw, uh, to be frank. It's really frustrating because if you look at the other side of the draw, it's lovely. If we were there, then we'd be laughing our way to the final. Uh, So... If everything goes as expected, if we get Argentina in the quarters, Brazil in the semis, then I think we we beat Argentina, get revenge of 2014, um, which would be lovely. And I think we probably go out to Brazil in the semis. But either of those matches, I think, could go either way. You know, I don't feel particularly strongly about us beating Argentina or losing to Argentina. I don't feel that strongly about us beating Brazil or losing to Brazil. I think both matches are pretty 50-50. Uh, and it will be the fine margins, it'll be a bit of luck. If we can avoid both of them somehow, then I think we can win it. I'm confident we can win it, in fact. If we could somehow avoid Argentina and Brazil, if some, if Poland and Mexico could do us a huge favour and knock Argentina out um, in the groups, or Switzerland and Serbia could knock Brazil out, or even put them second. If either of those two finish second in the group, then they go on to the other side of the draw, and we wouldn't meet them into the final. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're both going to finish top. I think we're going to face Argentina in the quarters and win. And I think we're going to face Brazil in the semis and lose. But I definitely think that we can win the World Cup. I think we've got the squad for it. We've got the form for it. And we've got the manager for it. And that's what you need, right? That's They're the three things that you need to win a World Cup. Well, and team spirit, which again, we have. So I think we have everything we need to win it. It just comes down to whether we face the two teams that are as good, if not better than us, and how we do against them. Uh, how would you describe it in a percentage chance? Uh, I don't know. That's difficult, isn't it? I mean, if you say that there's... if you, I'm confident it will be one of Brazil, Argentina, and the Netherlands that win it, right? So if you say it's going to be only one of those three, then you say 33% each. But you've got to factor in the fact that, you know, I think there's a chance Spain or Germany, for instance, mainly those two, could also win it. You know, I think they could also come in, play really well. They've got strong squads, good managers. So I'd give them a bit of a chance as well, which obviously takes the Netherlands chance down from 33%. So I don't know, I'd put us at maybe 20%, which is probably, I don't know, seems quite high. But, you know, I'm an optimist. And that's what I'll go for. I'll go for 20% chance that the Netherlands win it. I mean, the last time I went into a tournament think, thinking we had a real chance of winning, it was Euro 2012, and that was our worst tournament of all time. We lost all three matches and went out in the group stages. And I was very confident heading into that tournament. I was, like, telling my friends at school, now nah, we're winning it. I, I was so certain. And, yeah, so, you know, what do I know? At the end of the day, tournament football is... Extremely unpredictable. Anything can happen. It's so much to do with luck, you know, in terms of refereeing decisions, individual errors, uh, you know, injuries, so much. So, yeah, um, anything can happen, but I'd say we have a 20% chance or so of winning it. And if, gun to my head, someone asked me where we were going to get, I'd say... 
Oh, I don't know. I'd say semi-finals, I think. I'd say losing to Brazil in the semi-finals, but I think we've got a real chance of beating them and of winning it. Yeah, that's all the questions. Um, thanks so much to everyone for sending them in. I hope my answers were satisfactory. Last thing I do before I go, I thought I'd just give my prediction for how we're going to start against Senegal, because a lot of people have been asking me that on Twitter. So how are we going to start? Um, well, I think the certainties are Yuri and Timber, Virgil van Dijk and Nathan Ake start is the back three. Um, Denzel Dumfries and Daly Blind start as the wing backs. Frankie de Jong starts as the one of the centre midfielders. Cody Gakpo starts as the number 10. Steven Bergwijn starts as one of the two strikers. Question marks. Who the hell starts in goal? No idea. I literally, at this point, would not be surprised with any of the three. Like I said at the start of the podcast, if I had to pick, I'd pick Bilo. And if I had to predict which one it will be, I'll also say Bilo. But I think there's a good chance of any of them. You know, Noppert was training in the starting eleven um, last night in training. Pasvia started the last two games for us. And Bilo's played the most for us, right? So there's arguments for all three of them, you know. But yeah, if I had to guess, I'd say Bilo. Who will start alongside Frankie de Jong? It'll be Berghaus or Coop Miners. I think Van Gaal's going to play it safe and say Coop Miners. Um, Coop Miners are a bit more strong defensively. And look, we the last thing we want to do is lose the first match, right? It's against our strongest opponents. So a draw would not be a disaster. Then it's still in our hands. If we just beat Ecuador and Qatar by bigger margins than Senegal do, we still top the group. So I think Van Gaal is going to play it safe and start with Coop Miners alongside De Jong. And then up front, the question mark is just simply if Memphis Depay will be fit enough. Um, Van Gaal has kind of ruled Memphis out, saying that Janssen is going to start alongside Bergwijn. I would not be surprised if that's a bit of a mind game from Van Gaal to kind of, you know, trick Senegal into, into thinking that Memphis isn't going to play. Uh, but, you know... Also, looking at logically, Memphis has not played since the last international break. It's probably not best to risk him immediately for the first match. So, yeah, if I had to predict, I'd say Vincent Janssen starts alongside Steven Bergwijn up front. Um, as for prediction for the first match, I will go with a 2-0 victory. Uh, I'm feeling quite a bit more confident now that Sadio Mane is not going to be there, which... Is gutting, by the way. You know, even as a Netherlands fan, I think it's so disappointing that a player like that can't be at the World Cup. Yeah, real shame for him. Real shame. Um, as is the fact that the World Cup is in Qatar. Uh, I just want to end on that note. It's just, it's really shitty that the World Cup's in a country that treats migrants and treats LGBTQ people so abhorrently. It's a difficult... It's a difficult thing, you know, I I feel so strongly about LGBTQ rights. The, should I be watching this World Cup? Should I be supporting this World Cup in a country where it's illegal to be attracted to someone of the same sex and sometimes punishable by death? I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't, you know. Maybe it's wrong for me to do so. Um, I fully understand that and I have an immense amount of respect for people that are boycotting it. But... At the end of the day, I'm only human, you know, I'm not perfect and the World Cup is something that 
I love so much. Watching the Netherlands at the World Cup has given me some of my happiest memories. And I don't want a FIFA, the corruption of FIFA and, you know, the the inhumanity of an evil regime in Qatar to take something I love away from me. Um, you know, maybe that's a bit selfish, but like I said, I'm only human. Um, if you're the same, you know, if you are going to watch it, but you do you do feel a bit bad, you do, you know, still want to support LGBTQ people, um, I am going to leave a link to a campaign by Stonewall in the description for this podcast. Stonewall are a great company that do a lot of really good work to protect the LGBT community. Um, they've got a campaign going to stand up for for, for those people in Qatar um, that you can sign up for. And if you've got a bit of money to spare, then you could also donate a little bit, which would also be great. Um, but yeah, on the whole, excited for the World Cup, confident going into the World Cup. And I think that we can do really big things. So... Yeah, that's all. Uh, I'll be back at the end of the group stages to discuss how that went. Hopefully, I'll be discussing three wins. See you then. Bye.